May God add his blessing to the reading of the scripture this morning, and may the words from my mouth be just what we all need to hear today. I read a story that a man wrote about a day when he was about seven years old. His grandmother had taken him and his cousin to the grocery store, and on the way, his grandmother stopped at another store for a few minutes. This was a long time ago, and it was safe to do so back then, and so Grandma left the two kids, the two boys in the car, to wait while she ran into the second store for a few minutes. Well, the guy blames his grandmother for what happened when she went inside because he says she was gone longer than she said she would be. Back then, he remembers they put prizes in detergent boxes. This was definitely before my time. His grandmother always was one to buy plenty of everything and have lots of everything in stock. So she had bought two giant boxes of laundry detergent, and they were in the car next to the boys. And they noticed while they were sitting in the car playing around with everything, as children do, that the ashtrays in the doors in the back seat popped out. And then they also noticed that if you looked in there, you could see a big black hole. It looked pretty empty in there. And so they came up with a plan. They wanted to get the prizes out of the detergent boxes. They didn't have any idea what it would be, but they wanted to find out. And so they took the ashtrays off, and they started to pour the detergent into the holes on each side where the ashtrays were so that they could get to the prizes. Well, they had to go quite a ways down and emptied most of the box before they got to the prizes. They were very disappointed to find that one was a small coffee cup and the other was a little salad dish. And then they realized what they had done. All the detergent was almost gone, and there was no way they were going to hide this from Grandma. But they decided that, after all, it was Grandma's fault. She had kept them waiting too long, and she must have known that little boys will get in trouble if they're left alone for too long, especially if they have no purpose in waiting. They weren't waiting for anything special. Well, the last thing Jesus said to his disciples before he ascended into heaven was that they should do what? Who remembers? They should wait, stay in Jerusalem, and they should wait. And what were they waiting for? They were, they were to wait for the gift of the Holy Spirit to come upon them. When, they ha when that happened, then they could go out and be witnesses to everything that Jesus had said and done and all that he had taught and to share it, spread the gospel. And it says in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And so they did. They waited. Well, fortunately, they didn't get into any mischief while they waited, like those little boys that were left alone in the car. Their waiting had a purpose. It had a great purpose. Jesus had told them to wait until the Holy Spirit came upon them. 
And so the scriptures tell us they devoted themselves to prayer and to fellowship. And because they waited, they were rewarded in a very, very powerful way. Today we celebrate Pentecost, the day that the Holy Spirit came upon the church. This is one of the most important days in the church year. Today's reading, of course, was from the book of Acts. This book is called the Acts of the Apostles, but really it could be more appropriately called the Acts of the Holy Spirit because it's the Holy Spirit that empowered the disciples to do all the wonderful things that they did and the amazing things that we read about in this book. Jesus had said to his disciples to go into all the world and preach the gospel. But how could a little group of uneducated people with few resources possibly have that kind of an impact on the world? Well, there's only one way. God would have to work through them. And that's why it was important for them to first wait in Jerusalem for the Holy Spirit to come. They would only be successful in telling others about the gospel and the love of God if the Spirit was with them and the Spirit was working through them. And the Holy Spirit did, as Larry just read for us, come upon them with great power on the day of Pentecost. It says that the disciples were all waiting together in one place, as they were told. And by obeying, by waiting and praying, their lives that day changed forever. How many of you here have ever felt tired, out of energy? Raise your hand. Yeah, we've all felt it. How about this? You felt tired and out of energy, and it's not because you really did a whole lot of physical things, but you're tired just because of all the difficulties that have come your way and all the things that you have on your mind and you're just exhausted from that. That ever happened to any of you? Yeah, me too. Happens every once in a while. I've been reading recently about the huge demand in our country for caffeine. Seems that the United States runs on caffeine. 90% of adults, I read this week, consume caffeine every day. But not, and some of you are smiling, some of my, some of our uh, caffeine drinkers that I'm well aware of, right Jan? <laughs> but not just coffee. The demand for energy boost is so great that caffeine can be found in all sorts of products, far beyond coffee and energy drinks. Did you know that you can buy caffeinated marshmallows? Did you know that? Yeah, they sell caffeinated marshmallows. You, they're loaded with caffeine. A box of 24 will only cost you $20. And each marshmallow contains as much caffeine as a half a cup of coffee. Or if you don't like marshmallows, like me, there's beef jerky, which is infused with caffeine. It's called beef perky jerky. And then there's the turkey version of it, and I'm not lying to you, I'm not making this up, it's called turkey perky jerky. Or how about biofuel caffeinated popcorn? 
with the caffeine caramel coating. If you eat one bag of this stuff, you will have the equivalent of three cups of coffee in your system. And it goes on and on. I, I Google, Googled uh, products that contain, uh, or that are uh, infused with caffeine, and there's a long list of them. You can buy a lot of things that you would never believe were available with caffeine. It's in huge demand. It gives us energy to keep up with the demands of our busy lives. And I imagine that after Jesus' crucifixion, that his disciples' energy level must have dropped. Their enthusiasm must have gone off a cliff. And I think that would be a normal reaction to any kind of disappointment, and especially what they had experienced, the loss of their Messiah, the loss of their teacher, their rabbi. And then they learn that he's risen from the dead. And I think that energized them. But how long would it last? Would it carry them through all the persecutions and all the difficulties that were coming? Now that he was no longer with them. And we know the answer to that. They were human beings, just like you and I are human beings. And they would be facing the mighty Roman Empire. They would be facing opposition of their own religious establishment. How could they possibly find the power or the energy to just get through it? Never mind to be victorious and to spread the gospel throughout the world. Obviously, it was impossible under their own power. It could not be done. That's why the day of Pentecost is such an important day on our church calendar. Pentecost is a celebration of that day when the Holy Spirit came upon God's people and gave them the power that they needed to change the world. And we need to pray that the same thing will happen to us. That the Holy Spirit will come upon us, will indwell us in such a way that we will be a force, a power, a, a strength, a source for others who need us. You know the story of that day. The day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a strong a sound came like the blowing of a violent wind from heaven and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Let's pause here for a second. The word for Holy Spirit is pneuma, which comes from the same root word, neo, which means to breathe or to blow. For example, in Genesis, same word, God breathed or blew into man and woman life, and they became a living soul. This was the beginning of human life. And then in Acts, when the Holy Spirit blew upon or breathed upon the followers of Jesus who were obedient and they waited, they received a newness of life that would stun people who were watching. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind filled the whole place, it says. And then they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. This is getting pretty exciting. This is a miracle. A mom talked about having 
taking her two little kids to church with her on Pentecost Sunday years ago. And she said, this Pentecost, the minister decided that he was going to put a little drama into the service. And so he had made some plans ahead of time and arranged for some people to do some things during the service. And when he got to that part about the blowing of a violent wind, someone played over the PA system at max volume, as loud as it would go, the sound of a hurricane. And then he, she said her two kids who had been sitting there coloring with crayons on their bulletin snapped to attention and looked around like, what's going on? And then when he got to the part where he read about tongues of fire landing on people's heads, people in the sanctuary began waving red flashy pom-poms above their heads. And then when he got to the part about the disciples speaking in other languages, some people in the congregation who spoke other languages got up and stood and began to speak in various other languages. And by this time, the kids were really involved, really into the service. And then the choir led the congregation and breathe on me, O breath of God. And then as soon as they finished, the pastor stepped up to give his message. And he barely got started when he was interrupted by a guy up in the balcony laughing really loud and saying, they must be drunk on wine the way they act around here. As they were leaving the sanctuary, the little boy looked up at his mom and said, wow, mom, that was really church. Well, that really was church. How would you like to have a service that exciting? It's a shame that every Sunday isn't Pentecost. Maybe every Sunday should be Pentecost. Now back to our story. It says, Now there were staying in Jerusalem God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. And when they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because they each one heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? How in the world are they speaking in other languages? This is important. Each of the disciples began to speak in tongues. Now the word here, tongues, is dialecto, which means recognizable languages. They weren't speaking in tongues as some people today speak in tongues. These tongues were real living languages that were being used in that day. It was a fulfillment of Jesus' promise. He said that the disciples would receive power from the Holy Spirit to be his witnesses all over the world, wherever they went. And when the Holy Spirit came upon them, they immediately became his witnesses to all the world, and they became able to speak to people who spoke a different language than they did. You see, Jews from all over the world were there that day. They were visiting Jerusalem because they came from before Pentecost celebration. It was a feast. And they spoke the languages, of course, of their own nations, each one. And can you imagine their shock at hearing ordinary people from Galilee who couldn't know their languages speaking their native tongue. Here, these Jews from other lands heard the gospel 
not from the religious important people, not from the educated men in the synagogues who knew all about religion, but from ordinary people, ordinary people who had no special education. It had to have blown their minds. Of course, some were doubters, some laughed, some mocked, some accused the disciples of being drunk. And at this point, Simon Peter gets up and he begins to address the crowd. The power of his words, as well as the power of the Pentecost event itself, was so strong that we're told 3,000, 3,000 new believers were added to the number that day. This is the same shy, scared Simon Peter who was too ashamed that he was a follower of Jesus to admit it when Jesus was arrested and taken to be crucified. And now he stands by the power of God's Holy Spirit, that same weak, wimpy guy stands in front of all of these people, thousands of them, and tells them the story, claiming Jesus as the Christ and clearly preaching his gospel. And they're probably thinking, a fisherman? How does he know how to speak the good news so well? It was the power of the Holy Spirit, that's how. There is no other explanation. Same with all the disciples. Men and women who had been hiding behind locked doors after he was crucified became unstoppable witnesses for him and for his kingdom. And it was all because they obeyed his words to wait for the gift of the Holy Spirit. It's true today. When people like me stand before you and are able to preach the word and make, hopefully make some sense of it, and you're able to take something away that you can use in your life, people like myself take no credit for that. It's from God. It's a gift from God. It's God's Holy Spirit speaking to all of us through me or whoever else that person may be. I want the Holy Spirit to be experienced in our church. If there was ever a day when we needed God's power, it's today. Our society has gone from being at least tolerant of Christians to, in many ways, being anti-Christian. And I don't blame them. Ooh, did you hear what I just said? I said I don't blame them. You know why I don't blame them? Because so many people are not willing, and especially our young people, are not willing to even give church a try. And it's because they assume that they know what we are like. They assume that we're either going to reject them for their appearance, or we're going to reject them for their beliefs, or we're going to reject them because they don't believe like we do. Maybe we're going to reject them because of their sexual orientation. These are the things they believe, how they look. 
and I could go on. Or they think they're going to come in here and they're going to find us so old-fashioned and so irrelevant that they're going to quickly turn around and run. But we find that that's not so. When they do come through our doors, most of the time, they stay. And it's because we have and we continue to need and we must always, always ask for the power of the Holy Spirit. We need that power to meet the challenges of our day, just like the first century church did. We need to spend time waiting and praying to God that he will intervene in our lives and in our church that we too will receive and will use this precious, life-changing gift called the Holy Spirit. Someone has said that the average Christian and the average church are bogged down somewhere between Calvary and Pentecost. We've been to Calvary, we've asked for pardon, and we've received it, but we've not been to Pentecost yet and asked for that power. Someone said Bethlehem means God with us. Calvary means God for us. Pentecost means God in us. All three are equally important. Bethlehem, Calvary, and Pentecost. We devote whole seasons to getting ready for Bethlehem, don't we? We devote whole seasons to getting ready for Calvary. We call it Lent. Maybe it's time we change that. We need a whole season to prepare for Pentecost. We need the Holy Spirit in our church today. I love the way a pastor by the name of Rick Kirchhoff put it when he was addressing a group like us about Pentecost. He said, when God sends forth the Spirit, amazing things happen. Barriers are broken. Communities are formed. Opposites are reconciled. Unity is established. Disease is cured. Addiction is broken. Cities are renewed. Races are reconciled. Hope is established. People are blessed. And church happens. Today the Spirit of God is present. And we have church. So be ready. Get ready. God hasn't quit. Let's not quit. God is up to something. Things are changing. We don't quite know yet what it is. Discourage people. Cheer up. Sour folks. Sweeten up. Closed folk. Open up. Gossipers. Shut up. Arguing people. Make up. Sleeping people. Wake up. Lukewarm. Fire up. And pew potatoes. Stand up. Most of all, Jesus, the Savior of all the world, be lifted up. Are we ready for the gift of the Spirit? Are we praying for the gift of the Spirit? It might be easy. It might be easier, actually, to get energized from a box of caffeine marshmallows. Maybe we should get some of those. Or some beef jerky or some popcorn that has caffeine. But that wouldn't make a difference in the world, would it? Let's wait. Let's pray on the Spirit of God to come into our lives and to be more involved in our lives and in the life of this church. 
Let's ask God to breathe new life into each of us and into Zion UCC today. Amen.